This sermon was recorded at Church of the Ascension, an Anglican parish in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, whose mission is to be a worshipping community that equips God's people and shares Christ's healing with a broken world. For more information, please visit ascensionpittsburgh.org. Almighty God, we thank you for your word and we pray that you would speak to us afresh this morning by the power and presence of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. The season of Lent, which runs from Ash Wednesday until Easter, is 40 days long, not counting the Sundays, which are observed as mini feast days. But the 40 days of Lent remind us of the 40 days that Jesus spent in the wilderness where he fasted and prayed and was tempted. These days are also reminiscent of the 40 years Moses spent in the wilderness being prepared to lead the people of Israel out of slavery in Egypt, and then the 40 years that the people wandered in the wilderness being prepared to enter into the Promised Land. As Mother Jess reminded us on Ash Wednesday, Lent is a journey, a journey in the wilderness. Lent is also a time of preparation. Some people among us are preparing to be baptized at Easter or Pentecost. Others are preparing for a career change, a move, a health crisis to be resolved, or perhaps even their retirement. Like it's joke, you could, I know it's Lent, but okay. Like in any journey, there are times of waiting, wondering, and wandering. And Jesus' time in the desert was a preparation for his public ministry. And it, it was a grueling time at that. His time in the desert was not a nice retreat, a hike, or a nature walk. He was thrust into the chaos, cruelty, and dangers of the desert. Jesus did not take a shortcut to glory. He took the long way, the hard way, of course, the way of glory was the way of the cross. And it started in the wilderness. Surely he must have wondered what his public ministry would look like. How, I wonder, did he experience 40 days of waiting, wondering, fasting? It's worth remembering how he got there into the wilderness. St. Mark tells us, it was the Holy Spirit who drove him into the desert. And this was not because Jesus was uh, punishing him or because he was in trouble, far from it. Immediately before this, and we saw that in our reading from the gospel, at his baptism, Jesus had heard that voice from heaven. You are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. Now, we heard that story in January, January the 7th, uh, when we celebrate the Feast of Christ's Baptism. And we heard those words again at the time of Jesus' transfiguration last Sunday. And here they are again for us on the first Sunday of Lent. So I think it's probably worth us taking note of these words. What wonderful, empowering words these were for a son to hear from his father. My son, the beloved. 
And I know there are people here who haven't heard those kind of words from your fathers. But I hope today you will hear them from your heavenly father. They surely must have empowered, encouraged, and inspired Jesus, not only in the wilderness, but in all the days that followed. How important it is that we hear and receive and really take on board God, what God thinks about us. For the words that he has for us are words of love and affirmation. Whether we mess up or let him down, whether you have already stumbled over your Lenten disciplines. Well, immediately after Jesus hears these wonderful empowering words, at his baptism, the Spirit drives him into the desert. And one of our tasks as Christians is to imitate Jesus, to be like him, and to follow him. And following Jesus can and often does lead us into some pretty scary, difficult, and messy places. So while it is true that, like Jesus, you are God's beloved daughter or son, it is also true that, like Jesus, you may find that the Holy Spirit drives you into the wilderness. The invitation to the observance of a holy Lent that we made here on Ash Wednesday was an invitation to step into that wilderness. I want to share with you a poem by Ruth Burgess. It's entitled Bread of Tomorrow. The desert waits, ready for those who come, who come obedient to the Spirit's leading, or who are driven because they will not come any other way. The desert waits, ready to let us know who we are, the place of self-discovery. And while we fear, and rightly, the loneliness and emptiness and harshness, we forget the angels whom we cannot see for our blindness, but who come when God decides that we need their help, when we are ready for what they can give us. Jesus was driven into the desert as an immediate consequence of his affirmation and commissioning for service. And it was in the desert that Satan tempted Jesus. Here at the very start of his public ministry, Jesus faced the powers of darkness head on. And of course it was later, near the end of his earthly ministry, that he defeated the power of evil once and for all on the cross and by his resurrection. God did not bring to us salvation by remote control pushing buttons and directing the action from a distance light years away. No, God himself, in Jesus, entered our world in all its brokenness. And we too who follow him may be called, maybe even driven, to the wilderness to confront evil. We may find ourselves, I imagine, there has to be, there have to be people here this morning who find themselves in places of great brokenness, chaos, hurt, or uncertainty. And yet, we never need to face Satan and his temptations alone, for Jesus is with us by his Spirit. In our Ash Wednesday service, we received the invitation in the name of the church to the observance of a holy Lent by self-examination, by prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, 
and by reading and meditating on God's holy word. If today you have a sense of yearning, if you are hungry or thirsty for God, if you are longing for help, for healing, for hope, for yourself or a loved one, if you are feeling despair, I want to commend to you the Psalms as a really great place to turn for strength and hope. They are such a treasure for us at any time, but especially when you feel like you're in a spiritual desert. The Psalms give voice to our emotions. We can use the words of the poets and songwriters who crafted the Psalms to help us cry out to God, whether that's for justice or to lament our sorrows or process our griefs. We can pray the Psalms as we weep and wail and ask how long. Those who pen the Psalms remind us also to remember God's faithfulness, mercy, and forgiveness. And that no matter what trials may come, we will sing God's praise. The Psalms are a compilation of 150 prayers and songs written by a variety of poets, writers, and musicians. Writing about the Psalms, John Calvin said, all the griefs, sorrows, fears, misgivings, hopes, cares, anxieties, in short, all the disquieting emotions with which the minds of men are wont to be agitated, the Holy Spirit here hath pictured exactly. The Psalms are such a great resource. They are a treasure for us in our prayer and meditation of scripture. And they can be a source of both challenge and comfort when life is hard. And with that in mind, I want us to take a look at the psalm set for this morning briefly, Psalm 25. And I want to see what it has to say about some of the things that we heard in the call to the observance of a Holy Lent. Prayer, reading and meditating on God's word and self-examination. Our portion today began at verse 3. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. And this is not so much a prayer for personal guidance, though it could be, but more a prayer to be schooled in God's ways, to be prepared for whatever may come. And with the psalmist, we too need not only to know the ways of God, but also to walk in them. We need both to understand the scriptures and have the strength to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. Strength to do pretty much anything typically comes through practice, training, and perseverance. And we can think of our Lenten journey as a time of training. The psalmist is quick to acknowledge that he can't do this without help. This is not pull yourself up by your own bootstraps and try harder. He's dependent on God. Verse 4, for you are the God of my salvation. In you have I trusted. And then as he meditates on God's word, the desire of the psalmist to be strengthened to walk in God's ways leads to some self-examination. As Jess said on Wednesday, Lent is a time for truth-telling about ourselves, our own mortality, our own weakness. Fasting, prayer, and generous giving, Jess said, are truth-telling disciplines. Well, in verse 6 of Psalm 25, the psalmist 
does some truth-telling, and he prays, remember not the sins and offenses of my youth. Clearly, the psalmist remembers them. He knows all too well the truth of his own sin. He'd just rather like God not to remember. Interestingly, we see this word remember three times. First, verse five, the psalmist asks God to remember that he, God, is compassionate and a loving God. And then he asks God not to remember his own sins. Instead, and thirdly, he asks God to remember him as an individual. According to your mercy, think on me, O God, in your goodness. And when you read that, it might seem like a bit of a cheek on the part of the psalmist to tell God not to remember what he's like, but simply to remember how good and merciful he is. And yet, amazingly, that's exactly what God does. When we take time to read and meditate on God's word, when we remember his goodness and in bleak contrast, our own falling short in myriad ways, we soon discover that our sins accuse us. Well, of course they do. But the accusations, the soundbite on a loop telling me what a loser I am, that's not God's voice. That's the voice of the enemy. Remarkably, God is so merciful and gracious, and he chooses not to remember our sin, but instead treats us as we don't deserve. In the epistle of James, we read these words, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hearts, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy into dejection. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. When we confess our sins to God, we do so in the sure knowledge and confidence that he is compassionate, merciful, and gracious. The psalmist declares, verse 7, gracious and upright is the Lord. And because God is upright, he cannot ignore sin. And yet, because he is gracious, he can forgive sin. And so in this psalm, in these few verses, we see a glimpse of the goodness and the wonder of the gospel of Jesus. God is just and merciful. God is the God of our salvation. He leads us and guides us, and his paths are love and faithfulness. So I want to encourage you this Lent, if you can, slow down in your reading of scripture, in your praying, in your meditating. I think sometimes we wanna really take on lots of very important disciplines, and that's not bad. But sometimes less is more. Pray as you can, not as you don't. And one way that we can slow down and be in the scriptures is in the Psalms, or just a few verses of a Psalm. Spend time in this ancient prayer book, these, this book, the Psalms, 
a book of prayers and hymns and poems. Take today's psalm, if you like, Psalm 25, and pray these words. Learn a portion of the psalm. And the verse that I taught the kids is a, is a great prayer to start. Show me your ways, O Lord, and teach me your paths. You can pray those 11 words on the bus, in the car, at work, wherever you are. You can pray them when you're anxious. You can pray them when you're afraid. You can pray them when you're not sure what to pray. Jesus knew the Psalms. Indeed, in the Gospels, we see Jesus quoting from the Psalms more than any other part of the Old Testament. Jesus used Scripture to counter the temptations of the devil in the wilderness. Jesus sometimes used Scripture to answer the efforts of those who were trying to trap him and trip him up. And as we will hear when we get to Good Friday, Jesus quoted from Psalm 22, from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's often said that most people learn their theology from the hymns and the songs they know. And I think that's probably right, which can be great just so long as they're singing good songs that are biblically based. I'm so grateful for the hymns and songs that we sing here at Ascension, many of which have been written by some of the singer-songwriters among us. But let's just put this theory to the test. Um, if I say, great is thy faithfulness, what comes next? O oh God, my Father. If I say, in Christ alone, my hope is found. And the same is true with scripture. And you know some scripture. You might know more than you realize. Uh, let's have a go. If I say the Lord is my shepherd, what comes next? I shall not want. If I say for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. I know that during some of the most difficult times in my life, it has been a verse that I've committed to memory or it's been a portion of one of the great psalms or hymns or songs whose words are firmly planted in my mind that have so often sustained me and helped me. One of the reasons we have so much scripture reading and singing in our services is so that these words may sink in and become a part of us. Our liturgy likewise does the same. Indeed, nearly all of the liturgy comes either directly from Scripture or is a statement of biblical truth. So this Lent, whatever you might be giving up, I urge you to take on reading the Psalms. Sit with them. Learn portions of them. Pray them. Say them out loud. Sing them. Read them slowly. Meditate on them. Chew them. And so in these continuing days of Lent, I invite you, therefore, in the name of the church, to the observance of a holy Lent by self-examination and repentance, by prayer, fasting and almsgiving, and by reading and meditating on God's holy word. Amen.